Coming to you from the tailgating capital of America, where the beer flows like water and the brats fly like birds. Bringing you all things brewers, all things Wisconsin, and all things sports. This is the Ghost of Tony Plush. Cups of the rosé. Bitches in my old phone. I should call one and go home. But I've been in this club too long. The woman that I should try is happy with a good guy. But I've been drinking so much that I'm a caller anyway. More heartbreak, Wisconsin. What the hell is going on? Is our state cursed? Is our state cursed? There's no way you can possibly convince me that our state is not cursed after watching. The Packers completely crumble in their fourth straight NFC championship game. The heartbreak continues to add up, and I don't know how much longer I can do this. I, I think, listen, if if I could become a New York Jets fan right now, I would think long and hard about doing it because those guys, after week three, there's no stress, there's no pressure, there's nothing to worry about. You know what, even the Chicago Bears, Chicago Bears fans know exactly what their season is going to look like every single year, and there's no heartbreak. There's no heartbreak. They feel great going 8-8, eight and eight. and you know what? Once in a while, they'll sneak into the playoffs, and it's going to feel so good for them. That is their Super Bowl. Just making the playoffs is the Super Bowl for Chicago Bears fans. And here we are with tears strolling down our faces year after year after year after freaking year. Because we choose, for whatever reason, to become so emotionally invested in a team that time and again has showed us that they are the exact same team. They are who we thought they were. The Green Bay Packers are who we thought they were. And this happens year after year and nothing changes. And uh, listen, I, I sang Marvin's Room to y'all. I hope you enjoyed the start to the show. Marvin, shout out to Drake. If Drake had never made Marvin's Room, I don't know if I would exist right now because it's it's just a repeating endless cycle. A Wisconsin team performs really well. They get my hopes up. And by the end of the season, we're listening to Marvin's Room on repeat for 24 hours straight. Uh, we're unable to make a podcast the night of the game because we're so emotionally distraught. We've consumed way too much alcohol because we're watching – just complete crumblage happened before our eyes. Listen, I don't think people understand why Wisconsinites drink so much. This is why, folks. This is why we drink. This is why alcohol sales, this is why Wisconsin owns 17 of the 20th drunkest cities in the world. It's because we have our hearts immediately ripped out of our souls the second our team comes to the brink of something great. And it's just heartbreaking. Listening to Aaron Rodgers after the game was tough. That was tough. And to hear him say, be so uncertain about his future really tugs at the heartstrings of your soul. And watching a guy like Aaron Jones, who quite frankly has put his heart and soul into Green Bay, we watched him grow up before our eyes. And to know that that is probably the last snap that we will see him play in green and gold, uh, fumbling. And basically fumbling seven points away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that that is heartbreaking stuff. That's a young kid who came into the league and fell in love with Green Bay, and Green Bay fell in love with him. 
and that's the last snap he's going to play for us. There's no way we can afford him. I just did a little bit of math. I'm not a big numbers guy, but I don't see a way that we draft A.J. Dillon without this in mind, knowing that we're not going to be able to afford to pay him. Somebody's going to pay Aaron Jones a lot of money, and he deserves it. He deserves every penny that he's about to make. But to see a kid that has poured his heart into the Green Bay Packers, he brought the touchdown glasses to Green Bay. He brought some swagger to Green Bay that we have not seen at the running back position in a really long time. And to see him fumble and and get injured on his last snap in the green and gold is disheartening. And it sucks, and everything about that game sucks. There's really nothing There's there's nothing. Nothing else really to be said. I'm going to read to you a couple of tweets that pretty much sum up the game. Andy Herman, the Packers were down five with 24 seconds left in the third quarter. Boy, it doesn't feel like we were that close. Really, we were that close? Man. He goes on, they would go on to allow only three more points and intercept Tom Brady two more times. I would have expected Green Bay to win in that scenario 95 times out of 100. And I say, preach Andy Herman. I would have expected Green Bay to win in that scenario 99 times out of 100. And everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And we're going to talk later on in the show about the GOAT debate, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. And I hate to say it, folks, but that debate is over. Case closed. Close the book on it. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. I'll go to my grave saying Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. But that book is closed. That ship has sailed. And it doesn't matter what happens next year if somehow Aaron comes back to Green Bay and somehow they beat Tom Brady next season and go to the Super Bowl and all is well. That debate is closed. There's no there's no turning back for me in my mind. Because Aaron Rodgers had three consecutive possessions where his defense stepped up for him. Now, the defense didn't play great, and Mike Pettin should be fired 100%. How do you not play two deep safeties on the last play of a friggin' half? How does that happen? And yes, we like to drag on Kevin King, and we're going to drag on Kevin King. But from a coaching standpoint, that's completely unacceptable. And he should have been fired in the locker room, and he should not have been allowed to coach in the second half. Now, he coached a pretty decent second half because that defense gave Aaron Rodgers the ball back time and time again. And Aaron Rodgers, despite all of his greatness, could not come through with any of those opportunities. Aaron played a pretty damn good game. He really did. I'm not here to hate on Aaron Rodgers. But if you are the greatest of all time, you find a way to win that game. And rightfully so, the Green Bay defense has been to blame for a lot of Rodgers' so-called failures. We know this. This is statistically proven. There's a big stat out on Twitter today. Aaron Rodgers, uh, in terms of expected point value, his defense and special teams have performed the worst of all time since they started tracking that metric in the playoffs. Worst of all time. So you can make the case last year when San Francisco was running for 700 yards that Aaron didn't quite have a fighting chance because his defense was just that shitty. That wasn't the case this season, and that wasn't necessarily the case in this game. Our defense, by the way, graphic came up in in about the middle of the game that Green Bay had the ninth-ranked defense this season. Did you feel that way at all? I mean, we've been dragging this defense for so long, and they were not great. I'm not trying to defend our defense. They were poor at times. But they were a top-10 defense this year, statistically. A top-10 defense. And they came up with three crucial turnovers – And gave Aaron Rodgers the ball back enough times to win that football game. 
and Aaron went three and out twice, and Matt LaFleur tried to kick a field goal on, on our last stand. And that will forever go down in infamy, in my opinion. There is no excuse for that. Matt LaFleur has had, to this point, breathed a, a breath of confidence into our ball club. He would go for it on fourth down more than any more than any other Packers team I've ever seen. And maybe it's because we watched Fatty McCarthy punt the ball every opportunity he got. Whether it was fourth and an inch or fourth and ten, Fatty McCarthy was running his special teams out there. So we get Matt LaFleur in here, and the aggressiveness is is so attractive to us as Packer fans. And it's been so attractive to success for the team. I think Aaron Rodgers played with in extreme confidence. Any time that Matt LaFleur would put him on the field on fourth down and say, listen, you're the MVP. You're arguably the greatest of all time. We've now closed that case. It's over. Um, I have confidence in you. Go get us a first down. And time and again, we saw that this season. And with the season on the line, Matt LaFleur runs out Mason Crosby. And essentially, this is what this is what it boils down to. Matt LaFleur said, listen, I trust Mike Penton and that defense more than I trust the most talented quarterback of all time. That's pretty much what he said there. It's pretty much what he said. I trust Mike Penton more than I trust Aaron Rodgers. One of those two is going to go to the Hall of Fame one day, and folks, it's not Mike Penton. He is not going to the Hall of Fame. He won like six games with the Browns, which should put him on, you know, he might get a few votes for that, but he's not going to the Hall of Fame. That's a slap in the face, in my opinion. And this organization, you draft Jordan Love, slap in the face. Time, we're not going to draft a receiver, slap in the face. Time and again, we're going to slap Aaron Rodgers around. And with the season on the line, we're going to give him one last slap to the face. And we're going to say, Mike Penton, I trust you more than I trust Aaron Rodgers. How absurd is that? How friggin' stupid is that? That's the dumbest shit I've heard. And I, I got a friend named Will Duco who says dumb stuff every day. The Wolf of Wall Street says some of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But I don't think he would have trotted Mason Crosby out there on a fourth down opportunity with Aaron Rodgers less than 10 yards from a touchdown. That was downright stupid. And I don't know if Matt LaFleur can come back from that. I don't know. This is not a very forgiving fan base. I'm not a very forgiving podcast host. It's going to take a lot for me to forgive Matt LaFleur for that decision. It's going to take a lot. He could go on to win the Super Bowl next year, and we will talk until the day we die about the day that Matt LaFleur decided he trusted Mike Pettin more than Aaron Rodgers. And he got dragged by the national media today, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Uh, Dave Portnoy, who we're still negotiating with, by the way, Portnoy called him the biggest coward of all time, said Matt LaFleur, total coward. And that sucks for me because I'm, I've watched Matt LaFleur all season. I know a lot of people in the national media don't watch every Packers game, but I watched a Matt LaFleur that was aggressive at every opportunity he could because he believed in his talent. He believed in Aaron Rodgers. He believed in Tay. And for whatever reason, with everything on the line, Matt LaFleur decides, I don't trust Aaron Rodgers on fourth and fourth and goal from the eight. I don't trust him. And that's a decision that will come back to haunt us. Listen, worst case scenario, fourth and eight, fourth and goal from the eight, by the way, is no sure thing. That's it's no sure bet. But it's the same exact situation. You still need a stop from your defense. If you trust your defense to get a stop with three timeouts in your pocket, 
why not trust him to get a stop from the from the eight yard line? That logic won't make sense to me. It just won't ever ever make sense to me. And he's not Matt Lafleur, by the way. He gets up on the podium and says it felt like the right decision at the time. Well, shit, it sure it sure as hell wasn't the right decision. So, man up, come to the podium and tell the Green Bay fans that that you screwed the pooch. That was a disappointing response, in my opinion. Um, I guess we could talk about this game if you want. We're gonna. I'm a man of my word, so in the next couple of minutes, we're going to welcome on a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, because I promised on the last show that we would do so. We're going to welcome him on to the show, and uh, we're going to let him say what he has to say, and we're going to question him on his fanhood, because I know there's a lot of Tampa Bay fans that came crawling out of the woodwork when Tom Brady signed. There's a lot of Tampa Bay fans that went into hiding while Jameis Winston was throwing 40 interceptions a year. And and all of a sudden, the, the GOAT shows up in Tampa Bay, and a lot of Tampa Bay fans start coming out of the woodwork. So we're going to question him on that. Uh, he goes by the name of Big Papa. So we'll get Big Papa on here in a little bit. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about a game recap. I can't do much more of this, guys. I really can't. I don't know. Hang on. I got something for you, Packer Nation. Hang on. I hope I hope the mic picks this up. You hear that? That's me cracking another alcoholic beverage. I've been doing so for the last 48 hours straight, uh, and it has eased the pain a little bit. So it, it really has. So if you're feeling pain still, now just about, I guess, a full 34 hours after the conclusion of that game, crack a cold one and keep cracking them until you, until you somehow convince yourself that the Wisconsin Badgers are going to win the national basketball championship. Because damn it, that's what I've done. I, I've I have numbed the pain to the point where I am now convinced that the Wisconsin Badgers are going to win the national title. It's that simple. We're going to go to the Final Four, and we're going to win it. And all of this heartbreak is going to be eased. It's going to be awesome. You know what? I've convinced myself. That is that is a legitimate scenario. It's going to happen. And March is – calendar is about to flip to February. So March Madness right around the corner. We have, we have about two months – until we can celebrate a Wisconsin sports championship. And it feels so good. Let's talk a little bit about this game. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do hot cheese, cold cheese. And, sorry, hot cheese, rotten cheese. We're, we're a new show. We're, we're in the beginning stages. We're in the birthing stages of this show. So let's do hot cheese, rotten cheese. Hot cheese, uh, I'll give hot cheese to Jair Alexander. Okay, QBR against Jair in that game was like 4.2. It's just the, the guy is ungodly. And our secondary was dismal. It really was, and we'll get to that when we get to cold, when we get to rotten cheese. But Jair Alexander is a dude, and you got to be excited about him playing on Jair Island for the next, I don't know, however many years he signed for. But you got to be pretty excited about that guy. Uh, more hot cheese. I don't know. I, I'm reluctant to give it to Aaron Rodgers because, as I as I mentioned previously, I didn't think he was great. I, I did not think he was great. Your defense gives you the ball back three times, and you don't turn it into anything but a chip shot Mason Crosby field goal. I can't give Aaron hot cheese after that. I can't do it. Uh, boy, I'm looking up and down this list. I can give hot cheese to Mason Crosby. He was perfect on his kicks all season. And it's not his fault Matt LaFleur to told him to go kick a 12-yard field goal. It's really not. I mean, he made it. He made 
He made his field goal, so I guess we'll give hot cheese to him. And that that does it for me. Some average performances, but by and large, it was an underwhelming Packers performance. We played so poorly, and we still had a chance to win that game, and that hurts. We were the better football team. We were a better football team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for as long as I live, that's going to sting. Let's get to rotten cheese. Where do I start? Uh, Kevin King. What was his injury? What was his injury? Was it mental? Did he have a concussion? Or what, what was he possibly thinking letting Scotty Miller, the pride of Bowling Green University, get behind him on the last play of the first half? How in the hell does that happen? And by the way, shout out to the MAC conference because the MAC, you can make fun of the MAC all you want. You can talk about MACTION. You can talk about all the crazy shit that happens on Tuesday nights when two really poor football teams are playing one another. But this bunting kid out of out of Central Michigan University, Chippewa Pride, torched the Packers. He played great coverage all game. Really. He was matched up with Tay a few times. And this bunting kid, Sean Murphy Bunting, second-year player out of Central Michigan University, intercepts Aaron Rodgers at midfield. And a few plays later, Scotty Miller, the pride of Bowling Green University, torches Kevin King, our first-round draft pick. I guess our second-round draft pick, but one of our worst first draft picks of any draft. He's right up there with Justin Harrell. Kevin King is rotten cheese number one. That guy is terrible. The next time Kevin King makes a physical play and makes a form tackle where he wraps his arms around the ball carrier, will be the first. The next time Kevin King makes a form tackle, will be the first of his whole career. He's now His rookie contract has expired. And thank heavens, there is a God out there because we do not have to watch Kevin King play football for the Green Bay Packers anymore. It's over. We don't have to watch that shit. We don't have to watch him. All I heard out of college, he's six foot one. He's physical. He's so physical, you know, he could, he's going to guard all these big receivers in the NFC North. He fits perfectly at Lambeau Field. A big physical corner. Likes to mix it up. I haven't seen it this year. I haven't seen it in the last four years. I have not seen Kevin King. I've seen him sit out with more pansy injuries than any player to ever wear that jersey. Every week he's out with an injury. I got a bruise on the shoulder. I got a I got a I got bursitis of the elbow. I've got cancer in my kneecap. You name it. Kevin King has come up with so many fraudulent injuries. And then he decides he's going to be Mr. Tough Guy and come back in the NFC Championship and completely blow it. He's going to let Scotty Miller, who had like 12 career receptions at Bowling Green, torch him for a 53-yard touchdown at the end of the half. How in the hell does that happen? How does that happen? How does it happen? And that's not to mention the first drive of the game. Mike Evans completely torches him. And Tom Brady throws up a lame duck. That ball should have been deflected, defended, intercepted, you name it. And Kevin King jumps 17 minutes too early. Completely mistimes his jump. And gift wraps Tampa Bay seven points before 12 even touches the ball. How in the hell can that happen? How can that happen? Kevin King is rotten cheese. 
and thank God he'll never win the award again because he will never put this uniform on again. You mark my words. You mark my words. Kevin King is done as a Green Bay Packer, and the ghost of Tony Plush is, is thrilled about it. That, that cannot happen. And what's up with his tackling? He's supposed to be this big-time defense, you know, a big physical corner. I haven't seen him make one tackle in four freaking years. I haven't seen him do it. Have not seen him do it. And then, of course, he's going to – Tom Brady, by the way, the holding, the infamous holding call that everyone wants to complain about. Kevin King was holding him. But Tom Brady threw one of the worst passes of all time, and Kevin King, like, tripled down on holding. Like, he was holding him initially, and then he let him go, and he realized, oh, shit, I still can't guard this guy. He held him again, no flag. And then he, like, pretty much put him in a full bear hug, and the flag came out. So, listen, that pretty much is uh, the official that threw that flag. They didn't call holding all game, which was hot garbage. It was, it was garbage. For them to make that call in that situation, was garbage, complete garbage. But it's fitting, and it's rightful punishment for drafting Kevin King when you could have drafted T.J. Watt. The list goes on and on about guys we could have drafted instead. But we got what we deserved. The rooster came back to crow. I don't even know if that's a saying. Is that how the saying goes? I don't have a producer today. I'm just spitballing on my own. Whatever, you know, the crop came to harvest, I guess, and the game ended because Kevin King is one of the worst defenders to ever wear green and gold. And he's the first candidate for rotten cheese. Uh, More rotten cheese. I hate to do this because these guys were great all year long. But whatever the hell happened where Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers tried on three straight plays, first and goal from the five, to hook up. Whatever happened in those three plays, that's rotten cheese. Okay, Devontae Adams dropped the ball. Back shoulder fade. I think uh, I think Buck. I think Aikman said that that Tay and Rogers complete that pass ninety nine times out of hundred, and they didn't complete it there. And that was a huge play. We settled for three, uh, and Tay dropped the ball. It wasn't a great pass. Tay dropped the ball. He dropped seven points, and that is that is a minuscule little little petri dish of what happened on Sunday. It wasn't just it was that wasn't the only moment, but there were a number of moments where our really good players failed under the pressure. And I think there's something to be said about the pressure. I really do. I think they knew in the back of their minds that they had lost three straight NFC championships. I do. And you know, they had to have known that. Mike Penton. Oh, by the way, let's just throw this out there. Third candidate for rotten cheese, Mike Penton. We already talked about the the Hail Mary at the end of the half. Not even playing one safety deep? Are you kidding me? What is that? What is that? But it, it goes further than that. Mike Pen, you know, all week long, Mike Penn, I'm going to make these guys rewatch the 49ers game. I'm going to make them, you know, that, that, that shit doesn't work. Dave Pfeiffer, one of the best high school football coaches in the state of Wisconsin, always says, I'm going to give a motivating speech, and it's going to inspire you for about two plays. And after that, it's about how prepared you are. How prepared are you? How was your preparation all week? So instead of spending three hours trying to motivate your team, which was, I'm sure, already motivated to win the freaking NFC Championship game, you should have spent those three hours trying to teach Kevin King how to play a little man coverage. You should have spent those three hours prepping for Tom Brady. 
You should have spent those three hours, I don't know, doing something other than watching a game that happened last season. What the hell does that do? Is George Kittle running through wearing Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform? No. Is Raheem Mostert about to run for 600 yards in a Tampa Bay uniform? No. Is Jimmy Garoppolo the quarterback you're prepping for? No. No, 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 no. Should we play press man coverage with no deep safeties on the last play of the half? No. No, 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 no. Should we refuse to blitz Tom Brady, one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the history of football? We were rushing four all game. I think we blitzed him one time, we got home, and he threw up that lame duck and we picked it off. Where was the blitz? Smith brothers were non-existent, completely non-existent. We got no pressure on Brady. Rodgers gets sacked five times, Tom Brady gets sacked once, and he just com- he went down on that sack, by the way. How funny was that play? We didn't even sack him. He just was like, ah, not feeling at this play. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tumble to the ground. What was that game plan? What was the game plan? One of the worst rushing games in football, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One of the worst rushing games. One of the worst rushing teams, sorry. And for whatever reason, we uh, we decide that we don't need to blitz Tom Brady. We don't need to defend the pass. We'll stuff the run. We'll, we'll focus on that. Christ, give me a break. Mike Patton, rotten cheese. Shouldn't be allowed to walk into the office. They got exit meetings today. I hope he didn't make it to 8 a.m. I hope he didn't make it to the office. And Kevin King as well. Better be looking for a new contract. Uh, Is there any other rotten cheese that needs to be set out here? I don't know. MVS had a hell of a game, by the way. Four for 115 and a touchdown. Uh, Yeah, rotten cheese, EQ. EQ dropped the big two-point conversion. That was shitty. That was real shitty. Uh, You could give rotten cheese to Aaron Jones. Played pretty poorly, fumbled in a pretty crucial spot. But we love Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones was catching too much negative flack on Twitter. If you're one of the people that hopped on Twitter and said Aaron Jones is a pansy, he didn't, you know, he sat out the rest of the game with a bruised ego, you don't know Aaron Jones. That guy is tougher than shit. He's tough as nails. And if he wasn't legitimately hurt, he would have been out there. I know that for a fact. So don't drag Aaron Jones because it was his last game as a Packer. In fact, get him off the official rotten cheese list. He didn't play well. That fumble killed us, but we're officially removing him from that list. Special teams were dog shit. Jesus Christ. Just average starting field position for Tampa. felt like it was the 45-yard line. It felt like the 45-yard line, and we were backed up all game long. And we're trying to make these runs, and we did it. We come on in the second half and we make these runs, but our field position is like the 10-yard line every time because we're losing the field position battle, because J.K. Scott can't punt, because our kickoff team can't cover a kick return, and our the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. But if you don't think starting our drives from the 10-yard line had anything to do with the fact that Aaron Rodgers couldn't make any magic happen in that fourth quarter, you're wrong. You're wrong. Our special teams killed us all year, and they killed us again. They killed us again. Same old story. Uh, Going through the box score here, I don't know. I don't want to belabor the point. I do have to give a shout-out, Hot Cheese. I'm going out of order. I'm spitballing here. I'm doing this show with zero notes. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But Kenny Clark deserves a Hot Cheese candidate nod. 
That man played out of his freaking mind. He lived up to that contract. And if you, you know, he caught a lot of flack all year long for not being worth the money, X, you know, X, Y, and Z. But he's the only guy in that defense, aside from Jair, that was a difference maker in that game. He stuffed the run. He stuffed Leonard Fournette. He was in the backfield all day long. He was commanding incredible attention from that offensive line. And he played like a man that wanted to go to the Super Bowl. And there are others out there. Not the only one. But Kenny Clark was a man amongst boys out there. Uh, This one hurts, and it's going to hurt for some time. Uh, But there is a silver lining. There is a bright side. And I'm going to present that to you right now. So put your beverage down. In fact, no. 10-second break. Run over to the fridge. Crack yourself another one. Because things will get better in this state. And I'm about to tell you how so. So I'll give you 10 seconds. I'm going to take a sip myself. (sighs) Eases the pain. Really does. All right. Crack your beverage. Here we go. There's this theory of life called the Mendoza line. And the Mendoza line was invented by my grandfather and one of the biggest mentors in my life. And it's about going through tough times and how how you handle those tough times. And it's crazy that as fans, we're so emotionally invested in our teams in Wisconsin that we have to find ways and theories of life to cope with the repeated failure that we have experienced as a fan base. But here we are talking about the Mendoza line. And if you have sat on a bar stool with me any time in the last year and a half, at various taverns and pubs across the Midwest, you know what I'm talking about. Mentioned this to a lot of my friends. And it's a theory of life that I hope you all will adopt after I'm done speaking about it. But the moral of the story is, you can't have the big highs without the big lows. And shout out to Andrew Trafton for pointing this out. He texted me right after that, that heartbreaking loss and said, imagine how good the next Wisconsin sports championship is going to feel. And that's the Mendoza line right there. You don't appreciate the highs of winning a championship unless you endure the heartbreak that we've endured for the last four NFC title games, for the last two NLCS championship series with the Brewers, for the crumblage that the Milwaukee Bucks endured in the last two postseasons, for the two trips to the Final Four that the Wisconsin Badgers have had and the various Rose Bowl defeats that the Wisconsin Badgers have had. When we win a championship, and I say when, I don't say if, I say when, this state is going to burn to the ground and we are going to celebrate like you wouldn't believe and we're going to cherish it more than any other fan base. Look at New England. You think it was any fun for them winning the Super Bowl year after year after year after year? It probably was. It probably was a, a ton of fun. I'll give them that. But I don't think they would ever appreciate a Super Bowl the way that the fans in Green Bay are about to appreciate the next one, whenever that is. The high we're going to feel when we win that next championship is going to be accentuated tenfold because of all this heartbreak. That's the bright side. That's the silver lining. 
Now, I've got a challenge for you guys because the Mendoza line is a little bit deeper than that. It's not just the roller coaster of life. It's not just, hey, if we experience failure, it's going to make our success feel that much better. It's deeper than that. There's two rules to the Mendoza, two rules that my grandpa preaches and two rules that I try to live by every day. The first rule is you have to take risks. And the second rule is you can't be afraid to fail. Take risks and don't be afraid to fail. They sound pretty simple, but I'll explain them a little bit deeper. Every one of us right now has a thought in our minds that's saying, is this heartbreak worth it? It feels like we just got kicked in the nuts year after year after year. And at some point, the majority of people in this world get sick of getting kicked in the nuts. Because this feeling sucks. Most people say, you know what? I'm going to hedge my emotions a little bit, and I'm not going to let myself get so invested in this team. So picture a little T-graph right here. Right now, we're at the bottom. We're off the page, man. We are at the bottom of the page. Somewhere in the middle is the Mendoza line, right at the middle. And what a lot of people are going to do after a loss like this is say, you know what? This feeling sucks. So I'm not going to get so invested. I'm going to hang out right in the middle. I'm going to hang out right in the middle, right at the Mendoza line. I'm going to be average. Next year, I won't, I won't fully invest myself in the Packers. But guess what? When you hang out in the middle, you're not taking any risks. You're afraid to fail. You're afraid of feeling this feeling that we're feeling right now. Shit, I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid that we're going to feel like this every year for the rest of my life. I'm a, That's a legitimate fear because history would tell us that we're going to feel heartbreak again. History would suggest that this feeling is something we're going to feel again. But if you hang out in the middle and you're afraid to take those risks and you're afraid to reinvest your love in Wisconsin sports, you will not feel the genuine high that we're about to feel when we win the next one. Don't hang out in the middle, folks. That's my challenge to you. It sucks, and it's the hardest thing to do. But you got to pull yourself up. You got to pull yourself from the dirt, and you got to start to believe in something again. Personally, I'm choosing to believe in Badger basketball. You could choose to believe in the Bucks. You could choose to believe in the Brewers. I don't think that's the smartest bet at this point in time. Hell, you could choose to believe in Aaron Rodgers running it back one more time at age 39 next season. Whatever you choose to believe in, don't hang out in the middle. Take risks. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid of failure. Because we will win. At some point, we will win. And I want you guys to experience the full throttle effects of the Mendoza line. It always works. It always works its way back if you take risks and you're not afraid to fail. We're at the bottom of the page right now. But if you choose to put yourself out there again next year, or for Badger Hoops, or for the Brewers, or for the Bucks, you will feel that feeling at some point. You'll feel it. And this applies to everything in life. My grandpa loves to apply this to pets. Okay, and it sounds silly, but it's really simple. When your pet dies, it's the worst feeling in the world. Your dog just died. It feels like my dog just died, really. When the Packers lose in the NFC title game, it feels like my dog just died. A lot of people, sadly, say, you know what? I don't think I can deal with that type of heartbreak ever again. That's the worst feeling. Your dog dies, that sucks. 
No feeling worse than that. So a lot of people decide, you know what, I don't want to get another dog. I'm not going to get another dog because I don't want to feel that pain again. They don't want to take the risk and they're just afraid of failure. They're afraid that this dog's going to die again, which it will. But they don't get to experience the highs. They don't get to wake up to the dog, you know, bringing them the newspaper from the mailbox in the morning, putting a smile on your face when you get home from a terrible day at work. They don't experience those highs. They don't experience that happiness that you feel when your dog brings you a beer from the fridge. Or when your dog, you know, nothing seems to go right in your world, but your dog comes up and gives you a big sloppy wet kiss on the mouth. They don't get to experience that high because they're too afraid to get another dog. They hang out in the middle. So we have two options as Wisconsin fans. We can say this feeling sucks. And we've felt it now four times in a row with the Packers. We've felt it two times with the Brewers. We've felt it with the Bucks. The list goes on and on. This feeling sucks. And nobody would blame you if you say, I'm hopping off the ship. I'm fed up with this. Nobody would blame you. But you will not experience the euphoria that we are about to feel when we win our next championship unless you continue to put yourself out there. Do not live at the Mendoza line. Don't hang out in the middle. Don't be average. Take risks. Don't be afraid of failure. And I promise you this state will reward us at one point. We've been through too much. Now is not the time to jump off the ship. We have been through too much as a state for you to jump off the bandwagon now. And it's tempting. I opened the show today by saying I'd love to be a New York Jets fan because they don't have to deal with this pain. Their season's over after a few football games. But the Mendoza line reminds me that I live for that euphoria. I live to see the Green Bay Packers win a Super Bowl. I live to see the Milwaukee Brewers win a World Series. I live to see the Milwaukee Bucks win an NBA championship. I live for that. That's my high. And I'm not going to experience that high when it happens. And it will. It will happen. The Mendoza line always comes back. Things always even out. It's a roller coaster. If you go down a big drop, the laws of physics say that that momentum of that big drop, which we just felt, is going to propel you upward. It's just physics. The Mendoza line is physics. You experience a huge drop, your momentum is going to take you back up. It's just the way it works. It's like a roller coaster. You're riding the raging bull. We just went through the biggest drop on the whole ride. But guess what comes after that biggest drop? The momentum of that huge drop takes you on an upward trajectory. And the euphoria of being on top of that ride is something that we are going to feel at some point as Wisconsin sports fans. It is coming. But do not give up on these teams. It can, it's easy to do. I don't want to feel this pain. I don't want another dog to die. I don't want to lose another NFC title game. I don't want to lose another national championship game with the Badgers. I don't want to do it. But it's a risk, and it's a risk that I'm willing to take because I believe in the Mendoza line, I believe in physics, and I believe in Wisconsin sports. So can I get an amen? Is anybody with me? Is anybody with me on this theory of life? I hope you are because I know Wisconsin collectively is known for putting their heart on the line. That's one thing I love about this state. We are not Fairweather fans. 
You look at the attendance numbers. The Brewers won like fifty. They were like fifty and one hundred and ten one year, and we were like tenth in attendance. That's crazy, because this market loves our teams. This state loves our teams. Do not change Wisconsin. Let the Chicago fans hang out at the Mendoza line. Let them be average. Let them hang out in the middle. Keep taking risks. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to put your heart, soul, and everything you own into your Wisconsin sports teams. Because we will be rewarded at some point. And the euphoria that we feel is going to be unmatched. So shout out to my grandpa. Shout out to the Mendoza line. And shout out to Andrew Trafton for pointing it out. For bringing it to my attention. That the next championship that we experience is going to be that much sweeter because of all the heartbreak that we've just endured. That's the show. That's all I got for you. Uh, in typical Tampa Bay fan fashion, our, our guest, the big foghorn, Justin D. They call him the foghorn because he's got a big voice. Took a rain check on me. So we're going to get him on the, on the next episode. That's going to drop on Wednesday, I believe. No, Thursday. That's going to drop on Thursday. We're going to do the interview tomorrow. Uh, but just like the fraudulent Tampa Bay fan that most Tampa Bay fans are, the circumstances didn't line up for him to show up on the show. All right, whatever that may mean. It's like Jameis Winston was his quarterback, and he said, nah, I'm out, I'm out. Uh, but we're going to get him on next week. We're going to give him his time, and we're going to move forward, and we're going to start to heal together. This is Cheese Curds and Beer Bellies. We are a family. We are Wisconsin sports, and we will be back. So I hope I won't be singing to you guys ever again because I know my rendition of Marvin's Room is terrible. But I hope you enjoy the show and I hope you continue to take risks and I hope you're not afraid to fail. God bless Wisconsin. God bless the Green Bay Packers. God bless the fans of this show. And we'll be back, folks. We will be back. Take care.